Welcome to the Glasgow Baptist Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Erdie Carter. We want to help you apply biblical truth to your daily life. Well, this morning I want to ask you to take your Bibles and go to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. Now, I really am disappointed this morning. Um, Greg, I thought we might sing the new Christmas carol. Akuma Matata. I really thought that would be one we would sing today. Um, you all know how that goes. Akuma Matata, the Lord has come, let earth receive her king. Now, wait a second. Y'all looking at me like I've had too many bourbon balls of Rhonda Townsend's. I, I, don't, I haven't got into those yet, but you know that Christmas song, right? Well, maybe, maybe you know Akuma Matata from The Lion King. You remember the, okay, look at me, don't lie to me this morning, how many know The Lion King? All right, we'll start there. In the movie The Lion King, there's this lion, Akuma Matata, and, and it's, it's kind of funny because that's how we see things in this world. Now, let me ask you, let me know what, that, what the, the line means? Go ahead, Stacey, what is it? No worries. No worries, right. That's their, the, that's their, their thought. Problem-free philosophy. And so if you know the Lion King, you know that the three characters in the Lion King, Simba is the one who, who's lost his family, things have gone on, and the other two are trying to say, hey, don't worry, that's our philosophy. You know, I think sometimes we... We have replaced joy with don't worry. But that's not what the angels said when they came that morning. The angels said good news. Good news of great joy. And you might think today, why in the world would we talk about joy when we just experienced in our state a lot of tragedy? But I think today is a great day to talk about joy. But let's quickly understand joy. Not joy in the sense of problem-free philosophy, but joy in the fact that God's still on his throne. Joy in the fact that no matter what difficult road we're traveling on this side of eternity, God's still greater than what we're facing. Joy in the fact that God is still very much aware of our present state in which we live in. But you know, I think sometimes we just replace joy with, oh, don't worry. And while the Bible talks about not worrying, that's not the philosophy we take when it comes to joy. So if you have your Bibles in your John chapter 15, I want us to look at at these verses this morning, and I want us to unpack joy. So stand with me as we read these, these verses. Beginning in verse 8, it says, As my Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Let me back up. I didn't hit 8, I hit 9. Makes a difference. Verse 8 says, my father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit. 
and prove to be my disciples. Verse 9 now. As the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that my joy may be in you, and your joy may be complete. You may be seated. Joy. So let's unpack joy. This morning, here's the big idea for you. True joy comes not from getting gifts, but rather revealing God's glory. But rather revealing the glory of God. Here's the thing. We sometimes have, have mistaken joy by what we can get out of life rather than what we give. We get all excited at Christmas time because it's presents and gift giving and all those things we think are true joy, but those are just material things. When the Bible talks about joy, it talks about something much deeper and much, much greater. And so the idea for joy today is not what we get, but what we give, glory to God. John would tell us this again in, in a couple of chapters in verse 17, or chapter 17, verse 13. He says, now I'm coming to you and I speak these things in the world so that they may have my joy complete in them. Here's the thing about joy. Joy, we receive the same joy that Christ received from the Father. That's the joy we're supposed to have. So in our text today, he gives us four things that help us kind of think about joy. And, and, and really, remember the last line there is just to make my joy complete in you. So how do we do that? Well, there's, there's, there's some words here in these texts that help us with that. The first one is fruitfulness. Fruitfulness. When you looked at the text, it told us to, that we are to be fruitful. Fruitfulness. Now, what is fruitfulness for, for a believer? How, how does fruitfulness work out for, for each of us? How does that look in our life? Well, in order for us to define that, we have to look at Scripture to understand that. Matthew seven nineteen reminds us that every tree that does not pr produce good fruit is what, church? Now, catch that. It's cut down, and then where is it thrown? In fire. So that text there is a reminder, that's what happens to us when we're not producing good fruit. Just like, just like you would at a, a house at a tree. If, if you don't have anything that's producing fruit, you cut it down and make it firewood. So what is the definition of fruitfulness? How do we, how do we see that? Is it those are fruitful by, because you're able to... to to share the gospel and people come to know Christ? Is that the definition? What is fruitfulness? Well, I think Callie Wilkes helps us with that. Uh, Callie Wilkes, uh, USA Today, did a story on her last year. She had this plant that she was watering and taking care of. It's a beautiful plant. It's a plant that, that every day she had this plan of what she would, she'd water it, how she'd take care of it. She, she even would every so often clean the leaves of it. 
And so there came a point, she was just so proud of this. In fact, if you came by her place and you wanted to water the plant, she got defensive because it was a, it was a certain plan. She wanted to take care of that plant. USA Today does this article and, and Callie Wilkes comes to this point and says, hey, I decided it was time to re, repot the plant. To her surprise, it was a fake. It was a plastic plant. She, she started taking the plant out and found out it was uh, in styrofoam with, with sand glued on top of it. And she thought, well, no wonder it wasn't taking that much water when I kept watering it. It was a fake. She says, how did I not realize this was a fake? And some of you are going, really? She's a few, shy, she's a few french fries short of a Happy Meal. I, I, you know, the thing is, she didn't know it. Now, the USA Today article said that she went out and bought all real plants and tried to start all over again. But that story reminds me that it's not about outward appearance, about faithfulness. Because outwardly, she was taking care of that, uh, that plant. But the reality was, you didn't, she didn't know that it was on the outside looking at the plant that it was a fake. You had to take the plant apart to see down in underneath the plant to realize it was a fake. When God looks at our life, he doesn't look at what we do on the outside. He looks what we do on the inside. So that tells me that faithfulness cannot be defined completely on our outward appearance or on our outward actions. Now, don't misunderstand me. What's on the inside comes out. Catch me? But we know, we know just like Kelly Wicks saw with this plant that there are sometimes people look good on the outside, but on the inside they, they've missed it. And, and Scripture even talks about that, that on the day that Christ returns, there'll be those who say, didn't we do all this in your name? But he'll say, depart from me. I know you're not, because it was an outward, not an inward change. So what do we, how do we define that? Well, Matthew tells us this, therefore produce good fruit consistent with repentance. Okay, so fruitfulness has something to do with repentance. Repentance has to do with what's on the inside being changed for our outward expression. Paul would say it this way. You know this text. Uh, but the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. And so if we're going to look at fruitfulness, it begins with our inside. What, are we, what does our heart scream the loudest? What does our heart scream the loudest in that are we looking after ourselves or are we looking out as God would have us look at? Is your actions always about what you can get out of a situation or what God wants you to do? Are you repentive when you recognize your faults? Or are you looking around and going, yeah, but I'm better than Mike Thomason, or I'm better than somebody else? How do you see that? 
So the first word we find is faithfulness, or fruitfulness. The second word is love. Love. Look at verse 9 again of the text. As the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Remain in my love. Remain in my love. Now there's three pieces to this love. If you look at the text there, we, we see the word love three different times. If we unpack that, we find there's this understanding of what love looks like. There's the declaration of love when Jesus says, I have loved you. Declaration. Jesus saying, I love you. No greater love than man could ever receive. Amen? Amen. It's God's love. Jesus says, it's the it's the, it's the love declared. Then we have, we have the second one. Love is measured. Love is measured. As the Father has loved me, that's the measurement. God loves the Son. And, and that's the measurement. How much God loved Jesus. He sent him to, to die on a cross for our sins. He loved Christ. He loves us. That's the, the measurement of our, of our love. You have the declaration, Christ loved us. The measurement is God loving Christ, which leads us to the third. It's the challenge of love. And he says in verse 9, remain Remain in my love. Remain in my love. Love is, is being revealed in this one verse. Remain in my love. Here, here's the thing. If you and I would learn that what love really looks like and we remain in that love, then remaining in that love helps us to be fruitful. Because we understand what it looks like for a repentant heart. We understand what it looks like to love our enemies. It, we understand what love looks like. Why? Because we've seen it. We've seen it on display through Christ. And so we find that he tells us in this text that we need to be fruitful, but we also need to love. And the third word we find in this text is obedience. Now, in, in the reading in which I gave us in the CSB, it says, I have told you these things, or in verse 10, if you keep my commandments, obedience. Now, listen, I need your help, and I want you to fill in the blank on this, okay? Ready? You just fill in the blank. Rules are made to be? All right. Thank you. It is better to ask for forgiveness than? See, you all are as disobedient as I am. You know those things. Don't raise your hand, but sometimes you've thought those things. Amen? I mean, the reality is we, we the word obedience is not something we like unless we're talking to our pets. Right? We want our dogs to be obedient. Come when we tell them to come. Sit when we tell them to do. Those things. Any t- anything else? 
when obedience comes to us, we come to this place and we, we struggle with obedience. Because we think when somebody is saying you need to obey these commands, what are they telling us? They're telling us that we've got to not be ourselves. We've got to be under the pressure of the man. We've got to fall in line. When we talk about obedience and God's commands, that's nothing of what, what Jesus is speaking of. 1 John 5, 3 tells us, for this is what love for God is, is to keep his commandments. His commandments are not, catch that, burdens. They're not burdens. What he's asking to do is not a burden rather than a lifestyle. It's just something, it's a, it's a life we live. And that life we live leads us to be fruitful, creates love, and ultimately, as we'll see in a minute, joy. It says this in Matthew, for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Sometimes we read God's word and we think, what do you mean to forgive? What do you mean to forgive the way Christ forgave. Doesn't he know I'm not Jesus? That's a little much for us to do. Jesus gives us these commands not to be a burden, but to help us live a life and to live it in abundance. To experience the, the love that only comes through Christ. They're not, they're not to to bring you down, they're to lift you up. But the thing is, you have to have the right perspective. You have to have the right perspective and that you have to realize there's something God has for us. Something much greater. Well, that leads us to joy. And the joy is what we find here in verse 11. I have told you these things so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be what, church? Complete. Catch that. Complete. Complete. My joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. So we talked this morning about no worries, problem-free philosophy. That's really not the joy in the life that God wants us to have. But our joy complete. How does our joy become complete? Well, we've got to come to a place and be fruitful. We have to have the love that comes from abiding in Christ. We've got to learn what obedience looks like in Christ. Not, not a ugly obedience, do what I say or else, but a, a loving father say, trying to teach his children how to live right. It leads us to understanding in this text what joy looks like. Joy is obtained. Obtained. Well, in the text it says, my joy, your joy. 
My joy, your joy. In other words, Jesus is trying to help us understand that we can obtain the joy, but we're only going to obtain that joy through Christ. The joy that we experience on this side of eternity is fleeting. It's here today and gone tomorrow. You can wake up and find joy in the morning. By the evening, your joy is gone because it's on material things. If you want to obtain the joy, it comes through Christ. Then we find the abiding joy or joy abiding. In this text, he says that my joy may be in you. Abiding. Abiding means that, that togetherness. Joy comes when we when we seek Christ. And sometimes we find ourselves looking for other things. We find ourselves questioning. And the, and the question is, can we lose our joy? We, we certainly can. Psalms 51, David, David tells, tells us to restore my joy. Why had he why did he need restoring? Because he'd taken his eyes off God. And you remember the story. It's after David and Bathsheba. One of the, the most critical sins David has committed, he's gone to the rooftop and put his eyes someplace else. And when he did, he began to cover that up and he began to try to figure, figure a way out. How does he figure that way out? He begins to cover it up. How does he cover it up? He sends Uriah to the front. All the time, his eyes are fixed someplace else other than Christ, other than God. His abiding is not where it needs to be. So that my, my joy may be in you. Our hearts have to be abiding with Christ. And the third thing we find is abounding. Joy is abounding. Look. He ends this verse with, and your joy may be complete. Your joy may be complete. There's a lot of things we do in this world. If we want true joy, it comes through, through our focus and love for Jesus. There's got to be a fruitful life, one with the heart in the right direction, one who seeks after God, not after things of this world. There has to be love, love for God, love for neighbor, a love that is real, not surface. Obedience. You know, sometimes I think in obedience, we all would argue that we're obedient to God. Our heart is willing to do whatever God wants us to do. And I, I, I don't question I don't question myself when I say that. I don't question anybody because I think our heart is in the right spot. But 
But may I remind you of Peter when it comes to obedience? Peter was one of the three. Peter was the guy who you could always guarantee he was going to speak up. Peter says, I'll follow you to the death. But when the opportunity for obedience happened, what does Peter do? He denies Christ three times. I think that's where we sometimes come. Our hearts or our, our minds say we're willing, but our bodies and our, our minds say no. But then there's this joy. If, if we want to experience joy, true joy, it comes through, through God. And it comes by understanding that our life is fruitful, our life filled with love, our life is filled with obedience. That leads us to joy being complete. Anything else, anything else is just of this world. Probably one of the greatest illustrations I can give you is um, Urban Myers. If you remember Urban Myers, he was, he was the head football coach at uh, Florida. Won a national championship in 20, uh, 2008. 2008, the, the, they win against Oklahoma, national champion. There is no greater place to be than winning the National Football Association, college football. He wins. There, there's pictures, you know, everybody's excited. Brings Florida back to, to a place that it had been for years. But Urban Myers later told ESPN that he couldn't find joy. They won the national championship, and yet he couldn't find joy in winning the national championship. In fact, while everybody else is celebrating and throwing a party, he's miserable. Within 24 hours of winning the national championship, he's in his office working harder than he's ever worked, trying to, to land recruits, trying to, to think about the next season, beginning to worry, we've just won the national championship, now we have to do it again. And there was, there was just this pressure. He told ESPN, he said, I came to this place and a friend of mine walked in and saw what was going on and finally stopped me and said, Urban, just enjoy it. Just enjoy it for a few days. And he said, I can't. I can't find joy. Ultimately, I think that's one of the reasons why he left Florida. I think that's why he, between his health and, and that, He'd come to a place where he was so stressed out of trying to make things happen, he couldn't enjoy life. And the reality is, he was fixated on just these goals. Fixated on goals that didn't really matter. Fixated on goals of winning another championship. Listen, when we fixate on life of trying to be happy in this world, new car, a bigger house, nicer things, it's only fleeting and it only causes stress. Joy complete is found in Christ and Christ alone. Joy says that no matter what the heartache comes, God's greater. 
that no matter what life throws at you, God's greater. So on a day when some of the state is struggling, we have friends, family who lost homes or, or, or are struggling. Let me remind you, the joy that we have is in Christ, not material things. That doesn't mean we're celebrating with our friends who've lost things. It just means we know that there's something greater than what we've lost. And that leads us to walking in complete happiness with the Lord. This morning, I don't know if your life has been fixated on on the things of this world or on Christ. But if you're here this morning and you've been fixated on the wrong things, today's the day to, to change that. Maybe you're here and you're like David in Psalm 51, restore my joy, but, but understand what restoring looks like. It's a repentance because you've gone the wrong direction. You've taken your eyes off God and need to bring it back. Today, if that's you, in just a moment we'll sing our hymn of invitation. We invite you to come to the altar. You can pray here. I'll be here to talk to you. Mike and JJ are outside those doors. They'd love to talk to you. Joy only comes through Christ. That's what we celebrate. That's where we find our hope and our help today. If you're here this morning and a decision needs to be made, would you come as we sing? Would you stand with us?